Rising up back on the street. Did my time, took my chances. Oh, get out of here. Yeah, okay. Welcome to Dragon's Cast, the podcast brought to you by Dakback alums who know why there's a massive rift in the Antarctic ice sheet. But first, we discuss Drexel basketball. With me today, I have Marshall Fleming. Yo. Nick Intrieri. What up, son? <laughs> Bill Martin. <laughs> and I am your host, Leon McCodden. This is episode three of the 2016-2017 season. And we have four games and a lot to cover. So when we left off last, we were looking very positive after two pretty-handed wins against Hartford and North Texas. Looking ahead at Niagara, LaSalle, Lafayette, and High Point. Bill and I, we were riding high and thought we'd go 3-1. and one. And Nick and Marshall, you guys went a little more realistic as proven by what's actually happened. Two and two. So congratulations, guys. Thanks. You know, um, it was a gut shot call. You know, that's what it was. That's what they call you, Mr. Gut. So, and Nick, I believe that's two straight predictions you've got spot on. So maybe this week we'll actually force ourselves to pick the actual game results, not just the record at the end of four games. But uh, with the Niagara game, you guys want to start there. Uh we met a team that had gone 0 and 4, and we pretty much just ran what have, the bus saw. What have they done since? Does anybody know the answer to that? Because yeah, I didn't. I think that was the one game that I, I personally didn't watch because I, there was no feed available. It was over Thanksgiving, and you know we were listening to the audio, and they were just hitting shot after shot after shot. I watched it. There was a feed, and they were hitting everything. It was ridiculous. They hit every single shot that they took. They went 10 for 12 from three, I think. It was like even, we were leaving open for some shots, but even when it was defended, they were hitting shots. Uh, it was just one of those games where they're hitting everything, and uh, pretty much no matter what we did defensively, it didn't seem to matter. If they hit even 60% of their threes instead of, what was it, Leon, 83% or something they hit? Yeah, this is like a typical game where a team couldn't get anything going until they somehow met us. And uh, they shot 62% from the field, 83% from three-point. We had less turnovers, more rebounds, but they scored 93 freaking points, which is just incredible. You throw that game out the window. Listen, that's why I went with two and two. There was three road games on, you know, and then we were playing LaSalle at home. It was pretty pretty good. It's been in the tournament. Two and two, that's good. I see that as a positive. We went two and two in that stretch. I know... You know, played some teams we think are inferior, but on the road, that's the kind of stuff that can happen. So You're right. So, you're right. So, the next game we had was LaSalle at home. Second game uh, at home this season uh, against one of the City Six schools. Uh, the DAC back showing, unexpectedly, was small because it was a Sunday, I believe, after Thanksgiving. Yeah, but that's not an excuse. They should have had more people there. Yeah, but they didn't. <laughs> so it was, uh, LaSalle, but that was an example of clearly a better team, a team we probably weren't ready to play yet. And, mm-hmm. uh, it was interesting to see how poorly we matched up against a team that was clearly a step, a step, I guess, above us. They, uh, went up big in the first half and we couldn't really catch up to them. We outscored them handily in the second half. We scored 55 points in the second half, which is the most points we've ever, we have, we've scored. I think in a long time that I've seen Drexel play, definitely the highest we've ever scored uh, this year so far in, in one half. Uh, and uh, we improved our second half scoring from like 32% f- uh, from the field to 52%, but that wasn't enough because they had already taken a nice 20%, a 20 
point lead in the first half. That was uh, kind of like the North Texas game in reverse. Because the North Texas game, B B did great in the first half and put it on cruise control. LaSalle game, they put it on cruise control after going up 20. So what did you guys see in the LaSalle game that you guys thought was uh, unexpected or expected? I I, I understand your metaphor with North Texas, but I I think LaSalle, I disagree to a certain extent on LaSalle was a step ahead of us athletically. Uh, I think at almost all the positions except point guard, um, we were outmatched. They had a guy that we had no answer for. Cleon Roberts? Not even Cleon Roberts. Cleon <laughs> Roberts was just dropping dimes from three. But the other guy, uh, Jordan Price, I yep, remember yep. He, he's been around Philly basketball for a while. He was like a mini LeBron out there. Like he could post, he's a guard, but he could post up. Uh, I don't even think he had to play too hard because the, all their other guys were playing real well. They had another guy, Johnson, that was pretty good. Um, you know, we needed Miles, like I said in the last podcast, <laughs> we needed Miles Overton to step up in a big way for us to even compete with these teams. Uh, and I still believe that going into St. Joe's on Sunday. And he didn't show up. Uh, you know, and not only did he not show up, most of everybody not named Kirk Lee didn't show up in that game. And we got trounced, you know. And they're more talented than us right now. And we're, our best players right now are. Outside of Rodney, are two freshman guards, and they're just young. I mean, Kirk Lee has been good pretty much every single game. Um, but LaSalle just seemed like they just had – I mean, I just thought they were more talented than us from, straight up, from watching them play. Uh, if we won that game, we would have had to play really well. And like you said, unless it's like I've been saying the year too, is we need Overton to do something. Like Overton has been – it's been one of the coldest starts I've ever seen in the history of a single player. Um but if he starts playing well, it's a little bit of a different team. Now we have another scoring option who's athletic and can get his shot off. And he's actually, in the past two games, looked much better than all season so far. But LaSalle, he struggled and we needed him. You're right about that. No, you did make a good call on that, Nick. But uh, I think the Niagara game and LaSalle game showed us a couple of things from an overall team standpoint when it came to the new type of offense we were running. So under the Bruiser era, the uh, looking baselining just against the best year we had in the 2011-2012 season, and we had Frowns, uh, Damian, Fouch, Sammy, that squad, we were averaging about 65 points a game, and this year we were already averaging 75, uh, 10 points more, 75 points a game. We are averaging about 12 more shots per game, so we were playing a much more up-tempo game. But when an up-tempo game doesn't go your way, the other team scores 89, 93 points. Yeah, I mean, that's the risk you take with the up-tempo game. Um, you know, I'd like to see us play a little bit better defense on the back end. You know, I'm totally, you know, we, we, we're we not draining shot clocks anymore like we used to. Uh, and, you know, we're taking the best shot available, whether it's the beginning of the shot clock, middle of the shot clock. I've seen us run some possessions to the end of the shot clock. It happens. It just doesn't happen as frequently as it used to. But on the back end, LaSalle in particular, but I think a theme throughout the year is our closeout defense on three-point shots hasn't been good. At best, it's been mediocre. And against LaSalle, LaSalle totally destroyed our zone. Totally destroyed it. Uh, and that Cleon, Cleon Roberts was like 9-10 to 10 from three. 
and half of those were wide open threes. I don't remember what he was. Maybe seven of eight. He was <laughs> stick with the what was he exactly? Let's look at what was he. He was six. He was six for seven. Six so for seven. Off. You if you kept off. going. Yeah, I didn't even. I didn't. I did not know <laughs> those statistics. He was hitting. You know, I don't know what that guy normally shoots, but he was wide open all game, and 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 that's what a good team will do to you. Um, we need to get better. I don't. Our offense. I love, love the new look offense. I, I think Bruiser's offense. We could critique that forever. We have the new. The, what we're doing is great. I would like to see us get a little bit better on our closeout, especially for for three point shots. Um, you know, I, I think this is we're going to talk about Overton. I'd like to talk a little bit more about Overton. I think he's done an outstanding job in the last couple games in adjusting, coming off the bench. Uh, he, he, he could potentially be our best defender. I think he's helped us close out the last two games. Lafayette, we played absolutely terrible for 35 minutes. He came up, stepped up, played great defense, had a couple shots. Um, we, we, he could lead uh, our defense to, to be a little bit better. And we need to get a little bit better if we're going to beat better schools. I think there's been times in the game where the defense looks real good. Like, that stretches, they're closing out. They're stopping those, but then there's like other long stretches where we just are giving up wide open threes. You're right, exactly. They're not closing out. Like, and it seems like it's not always that it's a scheme, but sometimes just the effort to get out there and put the hand up in the guy's face and maybe the comfortability in the zone defense or whatever it may be to close out on, on those shooters. And you just can't leave guys open for as many threes as we've been doing. That's yeah. been killing us. And uh, like I said, we, we've, we've been shooting 12 more times than, uh, I guess, a baseline year of 2012. And we are holding our opponents to less shots, but somehow they're making a higher percentage of those shots. So essentially we're leaving them open or giving them better opportunity to make easy shots. And that's been like kind of a defensive struggle this year so far. Uh, and I don't know if it's the zone D that we've always never, we've never seen uh, under the bruiser error to blame for it or what it is, but... For one reason or another, we seem to, and the LaSalle game is a great example of it, where they they excelled, our opponent excelled in the zone defense that we were playing. They kept passing the ball. They had over 20 assists that game from a team standpoint and were able to move the ball continuously to get an open shot. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, one thing, that I, one thing that I would say is last year um, we were complaining about the Bruiser defense and um, fouling. Like he wasn't, there was like new rules. Remember the new rules we were talking about? All of our guys were in foul trouble last year constantly. You know, and I, I, I don't know, maybe the, I feel like this year we're not, we're not outside of that high point game, which was fucking like the, I mean, we got totally hosed. But other than that, we've been very good on fouling. So, you know, and last year, so it could be just a change in, just the way basketball is going with tighter, you know, it's harder to pl- it's harder to have a team that makes its bones on defense only when you're calling it calling it so tight. So I understand, like I think this is probably a good um, evolution to Drexel basketball and moving to the fast pace. But we, it, you know, it, it overall we're, we're four and four. We're four and four with basically the same players. Minus Tavon Allen, Terrell Allen, plus two freshmen we picked up in the last six fucking months, who happen to be two of our three best players. I mean, I can't even like think about a better scenario, um, realistically better scenario than we're in right now, other than maybe playing a little bit better against LaSalle, 
and I'll take that. So uh, you know, I'm I'm still optimistic. Um, you know, I, and and the defensive thing, you know, I think playing tight defense might we, we might be in foul trouble. So you know, that's the other end of the token. That's what we were complaining about last year. I think we'll adjust a little bit. It's a new, it's a completely new system. Some of these players have been, I mean, our veteran players have been playing in the system for in Bruiser system for the past number of years. So they're not used to playing even a zone, even a little bit. So it's a complete adjustment. Um, so I think that could be some of it. But without the two freshmen right now, we would be this team would be trash. I mean, if we didn't have if we didn't have Kirk Lee just playing as one of the best freshmen we ever had, and Janssen as well. I mean, this team would be terrible. I mean, I was at the beginning of the season. I thought if, if Overton wasn't scoring and wasn't much better than he has been, that we were going to be terrible. But I wasn't anticipating that these two would be as good as they are, and they've really like buoyed us to this point. Yeah, I mean, Car- let's is it Cowrie or Cowrie? I think Cowrie is. It's like it's- Cowrie, like Mike Lowry. It's, I don't. I'm not. I'm just. I think. Just call uh, him the Ice Man. That's what Rodney's uh, nickname for him is. See, like know. those those douches on the High Point Radio were calling him Calorie. Yeah, but so was Rob Brooks. So Marshall, do you do you know? Is it Carrie or Calorie? I have no idea. I read it as Kari. Just go Janssen. We know for sure it's Janssen. We do. Ice Man's his nickname. Go with whatever you'd like. Carrie Iceman Janssen. If you want to go with the middle name. I mean, you gotta avoid the name you can't pronounce. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and um, take credit again for my prediction on him. I love this guy when we saw him in the opening game. And, he, you know, he didn't shoot 7 of – what was he last game? 7 of 12? He's shooting for the year. Uh, he's shooting 48% from three. Has, any, has that Drexel player – big data guy. Has a Drexel player shot 48 – I can't even think of a year Chris Fouch shot that high. He hasn't. 48% is like what you would expect from a Drexel big man getting points like within four feet of the basket before we get caught up in calorie iceman Janssen's 25 points and amazing performance again the high point game which until then i don't think he was shooting 48 percent he had a great game wasn't against high point and but he was still in the top three scores don't get me wrong he was having a great game i think lafayette first half of lafayette after the loss that we had against niagaravich we can kind of chalk off to being an aberration uh, LaSalle, which is clearly a better team, but the first half against Lafayette, and that was like the first half we were seeing after, after just watching two losses. Yeah. It was a very ugly game. It wasn't looking very hopeful. Now the game ended up a lot better in our favor. We, we had 50 points in the second half and we beat Lafayette, but that was for the first time I was, I felt a little, uh, I guess concern within myself that Maybe the first, uh, the Hartford game and the North Texas game, which we were the highs that we were coming off last time we recorded, weren't as realistic as I thought they were. But I think Lafayette game proved to me that we can win a close, ugly game. Uh, we didn't take the lead until the final minute of the game, and we were able to pull it out. There was things that I'd never seen in Drexel basketball before, where timeouts were called, plays were drawn, and we'd come out of those plays and actually have a shot taken. I think the Lafayette game proved to me for once that this is a very different Drexel basketball team. Well, to me, really the whole season so far, I think to me, has been about Kirk Lee. And like seeing that Lafayette game is the perfect example. Like He struggled in that first half. He was turning the ball over. He wasn't scoring very much. And the whole team 
doesn't go when the engine's not going. Right now, he's the engine of the team. And the second half, it was a completely different story. He came out and he was doing a lot, bit, a lot more. I mean, I know Overton was a big part of that too. He, I mean, he scored a lot of points at the end of the game. But if Kirk Lee is not playing well, we don't really even have an option to put him on the bench right now. I mean, uh, Moran has been okay, uh, but Kirk Lee just makes the whole thing go. Do we have any word on Kennedy's return? I mean, I hadn't, I haven't heard anything new. It was supposed to be at the end of November, so I would expect him to be back, but I'm not sure. I haven't heard anything since. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm looking at Kirk Lee's stats from Lafayette right now. Six for 15 from the field. I think he was, he was bad in the first half. He had a bunch of turnovers. Um, and he, he played better in the second half, and that definitely helped us a lot. I can't, I, I think Miles over didn't want us that game. Um, he kind of came off the bench. Uh, he went four, six. 13 points, uh, and he picked it up on the defensive end. Like, that, Lafayette is, was a bad team, and, and we were playing terrible. Uh, you know, that was a classic game that's a, that looked and felt like just a letdown on the road all around, and we somehow pulled it out. And to your guys' points, like, like that's that ugly game that you just, you're thankful you get the win and get out of there. But there was just something to feel like, like, Things everything was going bad for everybody. Kirk Lee did play better in the second half. Rodney was in a lot of foul trouble. Nobody was doing it. Kari wasn't hitting that game. I was I think it was the only game he didn't hit a three. Um, it was almost like Overton and Overton struggled all year going up into that game. He's he was first game coming off the bench. It just felt like all the pressure's off him now. No one else is doing well. Uh, just see what just play. And just come out with the game come to you and just play. And he just played. And he he hit a couple shots. He's been hitting his free throws. And I mean, Dan Crane has a, a blog, Always a Dragon. He's calling Overton our closer. You know, and, and I, I'm happy to see the kid do well last couple games. You know, I, you know, it's, he clearly thought, you know, whether it was Spiker or whoever, that he thought he was going to be like a major player, take all the shots. Clearly hasn't worked out for him. He started off terrible. He got benched. You know that's something that's you know that's gonna be hard to take for, for you know. And he took it fine. He took it. You know he came out off the bench and he he brought us to the win. I, I really truly feel if it wasn't for Overton and that in that game we would have lost. Uh, maybe in the high point game we had a bunch of players step up and he was he played well in the high point. You know you know and. I'm encouraged by that, you know. I think he should keep coming off the bench. I think he's maybe carved a role out there, but I was happy to see that. Um, and I think we're going to need him um, if we're going to beat a team like St. Joe's. We need him to play well. We need Kirk Lee to play well. We need um, a couple, bunch of people to play well if we're going to beat St. Joe's. Kirk Lee, to me, I mean, like I said, he's he's the guy that makes the whole thing go. I mean, if he's playing terrible, it's not going to be good. We can't. I mean, you saw Moran, like, it was, it was the high point game where they were pressing him. And he was really struggling. So, I mean, you need Kirk Lee. Overton has been, like, I referring to Dan's article, too. Like, I don't know if anyone else read that. But, like, he was basically saying that Overton could be, like, the guy who's, like, he's defending late in the game and he hits free throws. Yeah. That's what he's doing. And he doesn't necessarily have to hit the big shots like he did all the time. But, I mean, he's shooting, like, 80-some percent from the free throw line, I think. And uh, um, and he's, he's probably our best defender just based on the fact he's probably our, our most athletic guard. And he did a good job of that. So I think he did. He did definitely. I mean, won that game for us and closed it out uh, at the high point one too. The 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 player that hit the shot that put us up for the first time in the game was Sammy. 
but you're Kirk right. Kirk Lee, uh, you mean? No, no, no. No, no. The Same Lafayette game. game. The Lafayette Same game. Sorry. Oh, Mojica. Uh, the Lafayette game, which we never took a lead. We were losing the entire game. The player hit the shot that put us up in the final minute was Sammy Mojica. But you're right. Overton showed up at the end, hit those free throws. He looked, he was great from defense. It was the first I game. He hit a three, too, at some he point. Did. It wasn't the go. I don't think it was the go ahead. Uh, it wasn't the go ahead three. But, uh, what I noticed that was, other than, of course, coming off of the bench, which, uh, in the last two games, Miles has been, uh, Overton's been coming off the bench, which has been a wonderful difference. Before that, every game other than North Texas, Overton had five misses. He was averaging five misses going into the second half. Five missed shots, which is just, he was launching up shots, not high percentage shots sometimes, not unnecessary shots in some cases, but he seemed to be, he seemed to feel the weight of almost needing to carry the scoring. I think in the last couple of games coming off the bench, uh, he's felt that not as much. He's been able to concentrate a little bit more on the defensive part. He's by far, uh, other than maybe some of our big men, the best defender we have from a guard, guard standpoint. Uh, and I, I, you're right. He's been, both of the last games, the Lafayette game and the High Point game. He's been able to close it out with free throws. He's been great from free. He's the best free throw shooter, right? Yeah. Oh, by far, by far. So, he's not even close. So he's 84%. been able to close it out. So I think he can. I think uh, we were beginning to give him a horrible nickname of <laughs> the 0 for 10, but he's 0 for 10 no more, which is uh, good for him. The High Point game, however, uh, and a High Point was coming off like a. Huge win, by the way. The night B played Lafayette. High Point played uh, Morgan State and had a buzzer-beater win that was featured on SportsCenter. That's probably why those wonderful color commentators during the High Point feed were so happy uh, and so painful to listen to. John Moran, that game. I, I would be surprised if I saw much more of John Moran after High Point. I think we have to play him at certain stint. We don't have Unless Kennedy part. comes back. Ov- Overton started bringing the ball up. Well, at the end, once Kirk Lee fouled out. Kirk Lee fouled out at the high point game. Well, Nick, I, I didn't see the post game, but I think, Nick, you watched the post game. And then Spiker was still giving a vote of confidence for yeah, uh, he did. Moran. It was like one bad game. Yeah, yeah, he did. I mean, but Spiker pulled him. You didn't see him in the second half. Yeah, but that's the sign of a player's coach. Like, yeah, you got to pull you got to pull a player in that position from the game if they're not doing well. But for him to then in the post game say he's still got the vote of confidence, I think that shows that uh, that Spiker is a player's coach. Bruiser would be guys got to make plays and almost throw the player under the bus. And and to to Bruiser's credit, players did enjoy playing for him. Um, but from from Spiker's comments around that, I, I I like that a lot. I think we'll still see him unless Major comes back, and because you just need a backup point guard. Yeah, the other guys just aren't legitimate. I mean, Overton's okay handing the ball. I mean, Janssen showed that he can bring the ball up a little bit. Neither one of them do you want to be your backup point guard. Moran at least looks, looks usually looks comfortable with the ball in his hands. And I think Moran kind of got put in a bad place. We we played the first five minutes of that game at high point. We did great. We looked like we came out a lot stronger than we did at the Lafayette game. And after five minutes, we did a complete uh, substitution. We had uh, we pulled pretty much everybody other than maybe. I think the only person I remember still being in there was Sammy, maybe, which was interesting. But John uh, John Moran went in. It was Tyshawn Miles. We had that line it change. It was I, like I, I didn't understand weird. the line change at all. And they brought the press at the same time. It was yeah. like uh, it was the 
we put in kind of our second team for like, I don't want to insult anybody, but we kind of put in our second team and they brought the press at the same time. And they made such a big fuss of this on the com, uh, on the video feed, the video feed of this, but John Moran slipped and he turned the ball over initially. Yeah, I saw that. And they made it sound like the press is the reason he slipped, which is, oh, we don't have to talk about that. Those guys are terrible. <laughs> I know those guys are terrible, but. <laughs> but that being said, that was the first of four turnovers. Yeah, but he had a minutes. couple other bad ones. No, he did. He, got, he got cleanly picked one time at half court. He didn't look comfortable. Well, well once you come in, when you come, what I'm trying to say is that when you come in yeah. and the first thing you do is slip, fall, and turn the ball over, it's hard for you to get going probably. Right? There was no reason for us to to bring in yeah. and a complete, four completely new players in a game we're up 10 points. Right in the beginning. We... we I think Kyrie, Kyrie hit two threes right in the beginning. We were up seventeen seven right in the beginning, and then we had, and then you know we did the line change, and then they got it was like blink of an eye. It was seventeen fourteen. Um, you know it's fine. Yeah, I, I think what Spiker's trying to do is create a, as deep a team as possible. He's trying to buy buy minutes for Kirk Lee. You know, uh, Kirkley's by f- clearly our best player. Clearly, yeah. Um, he's trying to buy as much time as he can to keep him fresh. Um, you know, it's, what's interesting is he's second in the team in minutes per game. Sammy Mohica's first, which is surprising. Um, but I, I think um, he's trying to buy as much time as he can, and I and I and I think that is a bet is a good long term strategy. I just think he might want to rethink subbing out a whole team. Yeah, I mean, you sub two guys in and out. I don't, you know, it's probably a different way to do that. I think Kirk's been coming a little bit because he's tired. It seems like a few times, like I think Spiker puts him on the bench for a little bit because he seems like he's a little winded or he's like struggling bringing the ball up once in a while. I mean, the kid is pretty much doing it all. He's bringing. The, like, if you watched even the, I mean, the game where where uh, Janssen hit about what did he hit seven threes? Yeah, he went, uh, I think seven four. When he hit seven threes, like I watched the highlights of that game, and and a lot of it is just like. Uh, Kirk Lee firing into the lane and somehow kicking that pass out to uh, to Johnson. So he's doing a ton of work the entire time, driving in and running the offense. And I think it's tiring him out a little bit, and we need someone to spell him some minutes. I really hope we get Candy back. I have no idea what to expect from him. But even when he was a, like a freshman playing, he was at least bringing some steady ball handling and uh, you know scoring here and there. I, I feel like he's got to be a little bit better. Was this three years later? Is this I don't even know how many years he's been here. I guess this is. Would be like yeah, Kennedy's biggest problem was he didn't have teams didn't respect his jumper at all. Even when he was four feet inside the arc, people were playing three feet off of him because um, they expected him to miss. Uh, so if he has improved his his shot at all, he can be a good point guard for us for however long he has left with us. The thing I like about Kennedy um, over Kirkley is his size. I, I think we're going to run into problems even three years from now when we're talking about an upperclassman Kirkley where we're going to be playing a physical team and if they're trapping our 5-8 point guard, we're going to have issues getting out of that if, yeah. if they know how to throw a decent press at us. So I, that that's my concern. I know you're saying there, Marshall, but I just think back to uh, Chaz Williams or Franz Massenat in the, uh, the NIT and if your guy's good enough... Well, Fr- Franz is 6'4". I know Franz is 6'4", and Chaz is 5'8". That's my that's my whole point, was that Chaz abused Franz to no end. Oh, and, oh, yeah. 
and had nowhere to go. I mean, I think Kirk Lee is good enough where it's not going to matter. I know, like what you're saying, Justin like, Robinson and Monmouth. He, he doesn't seem to have any issues. Yeah, I know. I know Marshall Sano. You have a big guard who's going to like he could, he could potentially just post up Kirk Lee. But I, I mean, his his benefits are higher than that. Chaz Williams though is a little more physical. Chaz Williams was a stocky five eight. Kirk Lee is a very nimble five eight. To me, Kirk's so good at this point, it really doesn't even matter what the other guy does unless unless he completely toes him. The only thing I would like to yeah. see Kirk cut down a little bit more is he's had some bad turnovers. Mm-hmm. He's a freshman. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. You know, um, and that's one thing I think he could improve going in, into the rest of this year. And, and you know, he seems like he forces some things. Some, it, it, it's almost like a brain fart here. And I was like, why did he throw that pass? Yeah. That's bound to happen with a, a freshman. I think he feels like he hit the pass, and he's just a little off on the targeting sometimes. I mean, yeah, he he was eight to five uh, assist to turnovers against High Point, and High Point isn't a great team, um, but they play this pretty well. He had two steals, so I mean, all in all, it's a positive line for him in that game, despite the five turnovers. I mean, the kid's are unbelievable. We're like nitpicking, even saying anything, but I mean, he you're right. I mean, he could have cut down the turnovers. That's definitely. An area where I think he'll improve over the years. He's just still, you know, feeling out and running the entire team and making the whole offense go. You're bound to turn the ball over a little bit, but he does have some yeah. passes where he could be a little more accurate on. But he'll, I think, we'll get better with that at time. Yeah, who would have thought that he was going to be our leading scorer? Nobody. I think you know if you would have taken a poll of us before the year, we would have probably said maybe Bill probably would have said Rodney. <laughs> maybe we would have been like, oh, Miles Overton? Like, we would have done one of those. Overton or Rodney would have been probably... Like, maybe I would have been like, oh, the Iceland guy. I don't think up. anybody was going to say Kirk Lee. I don't think anybody would have said that. So, I, no, without a doubt, Kirk Lee has been the most pleasant and amazing surprise of this season so far. Uh, I, I, there, the last game, the high point game in the, in the final minutes... When he brought the ball up, did not pass the ball, took a step back three-point shot. I think he might have passed the ball and got it right back, but took that three-point shot. I think he's pretty much – and the way he plays out there. When you see him, you can see how passionate he is about it. You can see how uh, much he wants to win. You can see that little chip on his shoulder that he has probably from being 5'8 and not being recruited from by a bigger school. Love that. Drexel. I love that. <laughs> I love it when short guys persevere over big data. Do you relate from a more uh, I, from a from a? You know, I saw Steve Smith senior. I don't think he's persevering over big data. About? Persevering over big data. No, it has absolutely everything to do with it. You don't, you don't think like these college? It's Kirk Lee against big data. <laughs> you don't. You don't think it's one of the. You don't think that there's college recruiters that are like. Uh, you know, they're just looking at us. Oh, is he six four? That's check. Like big data. Is he two hundred? Like, check. Five, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's like big anything, data. That's small data. You, you, that's the smallest. Those guys using their the smallest of small data, Marshall. You're dead on with that. Steve Smith Senior. Another example. Everyone keeps writing him off. He scores <laughs> touch. He's oh, he's too old. Oh, he's too short. Okay. Oh, he's too something Man, or I, other. I, I think you're going like a whole different sport. No, it's the same. That's not doing big data. That's, you're Nick, just that's he's the five opposite eight. of he's data. Forty-five years old. That's the <laughs> smallest of small data. You're not digging into the big data of it. I I love the story, Leon. You just you already <laughs> Leon already made the case for me. I, I I love that about Kirkley. 
I don't know if Leah, I don't know if Leah wants to be bundled into you. Yeah, him building his case for him. I, I, I like Big Data. Had nothing to do with Big Data at all. But we'll and Tiny Data. But um, <laughs> no, he's been uh, currently has been uh, I think surprising to all of us. Uh, I think we all thought he was gonna. We needed him to be good, uh, and he's been incredible. He's been way past good. He's had a few, of course, turnovers. I wish he took more of a more of a handle of the game in the first half. I feel like in the beginning of the game he starts shooting, but then he kind of tapers down at the end of the first half, and then in the second half when he sees nothing is getting going, he actually steps up. And when he steps up, it's I have yet to be disappointed in his play. When he it's steps, one thing when that, he wants to play, it's one, he's out there. It's one thing we weren't play. sure of that you just um, illustrated. What's he gonna do in clutch time? Game's on the line. It's seventy to seventy. There's a minute left. You you find out a little bit about a guy at that point, and we found something out about Kirk Lee in that high point game. Well, he stepped in multiple games. I mean, not yeah, the same, not that the was the l- first game that was down to the wire. Uh, the Lafayette, true, but I think Lafayette. Um, I'm not even talking about just like last minute shots. But like late in the game, he's just scoring buckets to like, keep you up or like do everything. He's just. Uh, I mean, I feel like he's been. That pretty... was a Chris Fouch moment. That was on the high point game. Um, you know, I, I, the other the other two wins were like kind of more. We were up the whole time. Lafayette, we kind of pulled ahead, but that was a little bit different scenario. Um, but that step back three, that was a, that was a big shot. That was big shot Bob time right there, and he hit it. Kids don't believe him. I just did ran some stats like comparing him to like our other freshmen. Even just looking at his, I mean, sixteen points a game is by far the most. We've had a freshman average. I mean, the most, the second most is Dame at twelve. And I know it's a different what offense. What was Terrell last year? Nine. Really? It was a bruiser offense. Actually, though. closer to ten, Marshall. Nine, nine, nine point eight. Even, no, n- but it's, it's nine. Even nine when you still adjust for the. the so the I did the math on that today. I compared the baseline against the 2011-2012 season, where we were, I think, one of the best years we ever had. If you do the baseline, it's a pretty simple as you just multiply whatever scoring they have this year by 0.85, and you get their under a bruiser. That's offenses. the bruiser five. That's the under- bruiser adjustment. <laughs> you just multiply uh, it by 0.85, and uh, you'll uh, we'll talk about Rodney in a bit. But uh, I think the Kirk Lee is by far, even if you do that little multiplication thing, he's by far our best freshman. I mean, I'm even looking at like field goal percentages and three-point percentages. He has the best three-point percentage of any freshman I've ever had, not named Kari Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> he shoots a better three-point percentage than Chris Fouch. It's Kauri. That's what I said. Yeah. He shoots a better three-point percentage Kauri. than Fouch, than hey, Damian look. Lee, than Phil Goss. This dude is shot better from three-pointer than some of the best three-point shooters we've ever had at the school right now. And his field goal percentage is higher than everybody's it's, also outside of Johnson it's, it's almost as like, a freshman so it, far. It's almost like watching. You remember when we saw Franz as a freshman and he had like really bad three point shot, and then we saw him in the sophomore year and he'd like it wasn't didn't look that much prettier, but it went in at a really high percentage. At a high percentage, and Kirk Lee this year I feel is like that of Franz. Also, yeah, of sophomore year of Franz. Yeah, Kirk Lee is yeah. already, he's already he might be better than Franz already as that year. I mean, Franz shot a little bit higher percentage, but he is like well, Franz also had Damian Lee and Chris Bouch on his team. I know. He's not having to force as much as yeah. uh, as as Kirk is. It's really amazing. Oh my god! If if Kirk played on a team with Damian Lee and Chris Fouch, <laughs> oh my god, that would be a. I mean, any any team that has any third guard next to Chris Fouch and Damian Lee is gonna um, 
benefit from playing with those guys. But, oh, my God, if we compare other guards with this guy over the next three years, this guy and Janssen over the next three years, yeah. it's going to be nightmare for whoever we're playing. I mean, to me, really, his, his biggest downside right now is his free throw percentage. He just needs to pick that up. And that's where Franz excelled. Franz shot, what, like 90% one year? Yeah, when you have a point guard who shoots at an extremely high percentage, that is a, that's a game-ender right there. Like, you just get it to your best ball handler, and there's nothing else. That's why Overton about. right now is the closer. Oh, I shooting know. 84% from the line. I know. I, I prefer it to be Kirk Lee because he handles the ball better than Overton. But I mean, that's your best guy. You get it to your best guy. And, like, when he's hit, like, they don't even hit the rim. Like, he just... You shouldn't. I mean, you shouldn't free throw. No, but I mean, like you're not even scared. It just drops yeah. right in. No, he's. Uh, so one thing I noticed in the last couple of games that we did have a little bit of trouble with was the foul trouble, right? Right off the high point game, the the high point fouls were ridiculous. They, <laughs> that, that's not that's not on us. That those refs were awful. That was bad. Yeah, I, I, that, like, I, last I, one, I agree. That's a write off. So are we? Are we, so we're gonna write off the high point fouls, which I agree. Yes. They, I agree with you guys. That they seemed a little over excessive, and every time the their big man was inside, they'd get a foul call. Even prior to that, with the Lafayette game, he had Kirk Lee foul out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, do you guys like? And I, from a guard standpoint, I think we're even more with Kennedy still out, of course. But with the guard standpoint, we we don't have any depth. We have absolutely no. We don't depth. have any depth at point guard. I think at guard we're okay. I, I, I don't think we have a foul problem. I think last okay. year was worse. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the high point game was a complete aberration. Uh, Again, well, the biggest guy I heard, if Kirk Lee gets in foul trouble, it's going to be trouble. <laughs> I mean, the rest yeah. of them, like if Austin, if Austin Williams and Rodney Williams get in foul trouble. Rodney was in foul trouble every game last year. I know. Year. Wow, every game. Know. He's been in the last foul trouble. Issue. Yeah, he's been in a lot the last of foul trouble. Two, I think he was in. Let's talk about the big men a little bit. We haven't talked. We're talking about Kirk Lee, Kari. You want to talk about Austin Williams? How about Tyshawn Miles? Tyshawn Miles had a big game last game. He was pretty excited on the uh, on the post game with 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 Rob Brooks. He was very, you know, I thought he very right at the end. He grabbed a lot of boards. Got a lot. He got a, um, a lot of putbacks. He had six offensive rebounds that last game. I would love to see that on a consistent basis. I feel like we saw that a couple times last year, and then he disappeared. Like, how do we get him to consistently do that? Um, I think Austin Williams has been light years better this year than he was last it's year. Not even the same player. I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, he's involved in the offense. He's getting a lot of rebounds. Um, Rodney's been good. Uh, he's been better. His free throw shooting's been better than last year. He's got that like now. that wide stance now. Well, yeah. the difference in Rodney's free throw last year, <laughs> his motion is almost exactly the same. Except last year, he would pause at the very top of his jump shot, and then it would yep. all be wrist flick. That was like a Patrick mm-hmm. Ewing. Move. I don't know who. I don't Patrick know Ewing used from. to do that. Did he? Yeah, Patrick Ewing did that whole like. It's a wrist terrible, flick terrible motion. Now, if you notice a little bit, it's a little bit more fluid. It's not pause, mm-hmm. wrist flick. It's, it's one smooth motion. It's wrist flick right away? It's wrist flick at the end of the shot, which is uh, how it should be. And uh, he's hitting at a much higher percentage. I thought no. he has a wider stance I, with his legs. He might too, but the most Rod- thing Rodney's free throw shooting still baffles me. But, it, like to your point, is the second best free throw shooter on the team. So, I can't really complain. Rodney's having uh, an expected good year. Kari's second best in the team. Free throw shooting? Yeah. Okay. He probably shot a lot less than uh, Rodney has, but uh, uh, Rodney, uh, 
what what I, I struggle with Rodney a little bit still is he's being out-rebounded by Sammy and Austin Williams. And every time I feel like he goes inside, and this might be just my own prejudice from watching the type of Drexel big man game that I'm used to, but his game inside, uh, for lack of a better word, upsets me. He seems to lose position quickly. He seems to settle for a more difficult shot than work his way towards the basket. He has two moves. Then he gets the ball inside. Half the time when he, uh, when he gets the ball inside, he's getting already bumped out of position by the playing, a player who's, uh, playing defense on him. And then he has to either sell for a hook or he does this little spin or go around move that he has towards the baseline that ends up putting him in a position, position underneath the basket where he doesn't really have a good, uh, layup opportunity or anything like that from the basket. That being said, mm-hmm. Rodney's having a great year. Uh, but that's one of the reasons I think he doesn't seem to be in position a lot of the time, especially on uh, on offense, to grab a board. And, it, and uh, I'm not used to it. That's probably, again, why the, one of the reasons I'm probably uh, uh, not too pleased with Rodney's performance this year. Uh, against Whenever he's matched up against an actual uh, true big man, he seems to struggle. Yeah, the Rutgers game is a good uh, example. The LaSalle game is a good example. The Rutgers example. game is a great example. Pull up the stats. <laughs> Go to the Rutgers game. What was Just the stats? He, All right, let me ask Leon a question. Do you, think, do you think Rodney Rutgers. is one of our softer big men over the years? <laughs> Danny Hines. He's not I don't man. consider Danny right, let's Hines. Hear, let's, hear Bill's, let's hear Bill's. I don't think, I don't agree at all. The guy dunks on people. He, he plays tough inside. He's taking charges. He's blocking shots. I think part of it that he doesn't mix it up in the middle a lot of times is that he's trying to stay out of foul trouble, and he's the only guy who draws a double team every time he's in the post. We need this guy in the game. If you want him to play crazy, straight-up defense, he's going to be in more foul trouble than he already is. I mean, that's part of the reason why he's not in there. I mean, we need him in the game. He draws a double team every time he's in there. I agree with you once in a while. He, he does not play in position where he gets like he takes a shot where it's a little bit outside where he should. But he has a spin move. He's been scoring on people. That that hook isn't that bad. That's I agree. The hook has gone up exponentially. From last year to this year, that hook has been going in. What I do not understand is his court awareness. I don't understand. When you spin, you're you're a senior. I don't think a spin's been that his bad. His spin year. move usually he okay, his baseline like the spin move he has, a lot of the time he's spinning towards the baseline and he seems to end up underneath the basket. Right? He has no great shot at the finishing at all and i've seen him more than on one occasion when he's extremely close to the basket that he settles for a layup when i wish he went up strong i mean he dunks on people a lot <laughs> the times i've seen him dunk on people is when there's nobody in front of him. no he dunks on people multiple yeah, times it, it, i, I want to hear marks are usually in transition no dude he's dunked on people he dunks on people off the spin i can bring up highlights for you if you want there's multiple times where he does and his field goal percentage is pretty high this year. The kid has been playing out of his... Leon, what does your big data show? Does he dunk more in transition or off his... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, do we have a, big, uh, we have a graph for this? Let me get the graph Can, yeah. No, but what, one, of the graphs that, one, of the, one of the stats I did notice that was a little upsetting uh, when it came to this was uh, he does have more than what you'd expect from a big man on miss layups. Well, I don't so, know what that mm-hmm. stat is. Like, just watching him, I don't feel like he misses a ton of layups that are... Like, easy layups. He's not missing easy layups. Whoa, look who's using his gut now. (laughs) (laughs) 
Bill, I feel like he's not missing I mean, that much. all stats over here. I'm watching the game. The guy doesn't miss open layups. He might miss a tough layup here and I, there. He sets up, up more difficult layups than they should be for himself sometimes. Like, you don't it, agree with I, that? I, th- I think, you know. No, not that much. Like I feel like, okay, if you're looking at previous players, he doesn't have as many post moves as Frank. He doesn't have like this the strong game that like Sean Brooks is like backing the guy in. He doesn't have a nose for the rebound like Sammy. He doesn't, but he does everything well. Like the guy is like he can score inside. He has a little bit of a hook. He blocks shots. He takes charges. He does everything. He's averaging six rebounds a game. It's not like he's a slouch. I mean, no. I'm looking at like our other players, their best years they've ever had, and like outside of our superior rebounding guys, which are Chaz Crawford. Uh, Robert Battle and Sammy, you're looking at Frank average six point nine a game, and he was two inches taller than him, and yeah, but and Sa- more athletic. Frank also played with Chaz, who was the defensive specialist, and he was the offensive. Yeah, specialist. but you're looking at Brooks average five point nine rebounds a game. So I mean, you're looking at a guy like that guy is considered one of the toughest players we've had, right? I mean, he was just bumping people left and right, and he couldn't rebound. For Wasn't shit, Brooks six right? four? only six seven. It's not like it's like that crazy. Sammy's only 6'5". He's averaging 10 a game. It's all a matter of like... Yeah, no, Sammy had an uncanny nose for the ball rebound. There's no denying that. Uh, But when you even adjust for the amount of scoring that Rodney's doing, Sammy scored just the the same amount of points. I know right now... what? When you adjust for the style of play we have... Sammy Mojica or Sammy Givens? Sorry, Sammy Givens, as a big man, averaged more rebounds... And the same amount of scoring when you adjust. Well, Sammy Gibbons is a great player too, but he's also he stunk at defense. He was six five. He couldn't defend a guy who's taller than him worth worth anything. Rodney's much better defender than him. Yeah, but when the a player he was defending shot the ball, he got the rebound. Rodney allows for that second and third shot as much. Yeah, but he's also a shot blocker. He actually defends the rim and can protect the rim from other people. Uh, I know he he's got more blocks than Sammy. I've looked yeah, at the stats. Sammy has barely any blocks. He, he was terrible. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. a good defender at all. I, I, I'd rather you get less blocks and be able to get the rebound, though, and less give more less opportunities to the opposition. No, I hear you on the rebounds, but his rebound is not that bad. Like, if you look at all of our other big men, like I said, outside of the three guys who rebound exceptionally well, and even like, okay, let's look Leon Spencer. He averaged 4.9 a game. That's your guy's favorite player. <laughs> he had one hand. All right, so. While we're on I, the topic I, of big men. Yeah. Mohamed Ba, officially our fourth big man now, <laughs> as a senior. Well, he's I, ahead of I'm Jeremy looking at Peck. the minutes. I'm, I'm a, looking at the minutes. He had, hold on, where is it? He had six minutes against High Point. Tyshawn Miles had 16. Austin Williams had 31. Rodney had 26. Mohamed Ba has the other guys. Austin Williams is like a complete player like we talked about earlier. Tyshawn Miles has made progress. Ba doesn't look like he's... Improved at all. Biggest concern I've always had with Ba is his lack of ability to catch a ball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this year, he's actually better at catching the ball. Uh, <laughs> so I feel like I feel like You're I have wrong. to say he's progressed. Okay. Uh, he Dang. didn't have any points in the high point game, but in the Lafayette game, he went I think two for two, and the LaSalle game, he had a few points. He had seven points. Because he's gonna be the guy that comes in. He buys is a couple minutes. He is again. Austin terrible? Williams and Tyshawn Miles have progressed like like an old school Drexel big man, which I haven't seen in a long time, and I'm so happy to see. Well, Austin Williams isn't putting up Austin Williams isn't putting up crazy points. He had three against High Point, five against Lafayette. Mm-hmm. He had he had a he had a pretty good game against Lasalle. Uh, no, not Lasalle. He had four against Lasalle. 
he had a pretty good game against Niagara, but that's where the overall team scored a lot of points, just not enough to. Did a great job scoring, but foul trouble. I think. He's he's doing an, he's doing a good job just stopping their offense. He's doing a great job getting the rebounds. Uh, he's he looks like a big man that's a lot more athletic than his size should let him be. Mm-hmm. Tyshawn Miles is another example of it. I think Austin Williams and Tyshawn Miles are very, very positive things that I've seen in the last couple of Tyshawn Miles especially. We've never needed to rely on him like the last game. And he showed up and he actually scored several points. And it was a welcome, welcome surprise. Austin Williams actually gives me hope for next year. Because like I thought, like, all right, we're going to lose Rodney. And then we're not going to have a single guy who can do remotely anything inside. And now at least with Austin, he looks like he can score inside a little bit, which is good. Where where is he showing you that he he's had one game where he hasn't where he's scored more than six points? Yeah, but he doesn't even like he doesn't even take that many shots, man. He's like still feed Rodney the ball. He's got a little bit of a hook shot. He's he's scoring a little bit. He's dunking on people. I think he's uh. Aren't when he's on the court with Rodney? Aren't shouldn't he be getting more if Rodney's getting these double teams? I just don't think we're feeding him that much. Yeah, yeah we don't feed Austin. Actually, in the high point game, he went one for one. And see, we had one opportunity. Uh, in the Lafayette game, he went two for five, and uh, in the game before that, he only had three opportunities. So it's not like he's getting too many shots. Rodney is getting double teamed, but we're still working the ball to Rodney because we trust I, in Rodney. One he thing did. I got to give Rodney is he does pass well. Rodney passes well. Passes very well. Mm-hmm. And the, the passer was Bob was dropping the. <laughs> he's a, he's an also a big guy that gets up and down the court real well. Yeah, and he's a great he's good he's great for the spike row offense. Other than the fact he has no outside shot. Yep. Other than that, like he moves real well. He gets up and down. Mm-hmm. He passes well. You know his free throws are getting better. He's a little bit tougher. With that, I think we should start wrapping this up. So let's get some predictions going. We have four upcoming games. How about got... the suit update? We're gonna do that. Oh shit! I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm afraid we have to cut that segment this week <laughs> due to time constraints. No, I didn't. Actually, honest to God, this this uh, last four games, I didn't even notice suits. Did you notice suits? The last Sentinel game, the suit was very poor. It was the gray, off-the-rack, non-tailored suit, I believe. Marshall, you, you, you concur with that? Yeah, I think uh, I think the pant legs were dragging a little bit on the court. They definitely needed some, uh, some cuffing. Yeah, they were dragging like their whole team was that game, so, you know. Bum bump. Mm-hmm. Oh, are, are we doing jokes right now? Can we go back to Niagara so I can? <laughs> so, Marshall, what do you think about Niagara? I don't know. It seemed like every shot for Niagara, pause while I put my sunglasses on, falls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That turns into that on Twitter. <laughs> uh, next four games. So, the next recording we won't be doing until right before Christmas. We have St. Joseph's this. Uh, is it Saturday or Sunday? Sunday. Well, Sunday. Saturday. Uh, and then we have uh, Ryder at Ryder, and then we have at home we play Keene, and then we play at Quinnipiac. Um, this time, we're going to do a little different thing. We're going to actually pick the actual games instead of just the record at the end of the four-game sweep. Mm-hmm. So I would have nailed it last time, too. You're going to nail it this time. Nice. What are you worried about? Uh, so with that, let's go with uh, Billy the Beats Martin, as they call him. Um. I guess I'll go two and two. Uh, like I said, you got to pick the I know. games. You got uh, I guess the losses would be Ryder and St. Joe's. Okay. I'm hoping for three and one. But. So you think we're going to do the same thing pretty much from a starting off with two losses, finishing off with two wins? That seems to be the pattern. 
<laughs> You're right. We always end up going to the podcast with so much help. Mm-hmm. We are going to beat St. Joe's on Sunday at home. Whoa. We are going to lose to either Ryder or Quinnipiac. I can't. Yeah, I, I can't determine. You have to determine. That's the point. <laughs> well, let me let me just finish. Hard, We're going to be. It's hard to go undefeated again. I think it's called Kane, even though it looks like Keen. Um, I've heard you say that. We're going to go three and one. We're going to beat St. Joe's. We're going to lose to Ryder. We're going to beat Kane, and we're going to beat Quinnipiac. Uh, I think uh, we're going to lose to St. Joe's. We're going to beat Ryder. We're going to beat Kane. Or Kane, sorry. <laughs> uh, and uh, we're going to lose to Quinnipiac. That, that's a prediction I'm used to with Leon. Mr. Conservative, two and two. She just you went two and two. Every, <laughs> you predicted two and two yeah, last time. No, all right, this is back on track now. I'm hey doing man, optimistic three right. and one. All right, Marshall, you're up. All right, I'm looking at it. St. Joe's a little underwhelming right now. They're three and four. I don't know that. St. Joe's, by the way, just lost their last four games. They yeah, did they? They're yes, three they and zero. Yeah, another three and four. Oh man, I didn't know that. Didn't they have a bad showing in a tournament? They got just didn't they pummeled go like, by Villanova. I mean, it's Villanova. They got yeah, well, yeah. They, and they lost two games in the tournament, and they lost to Temple. I think it's not like they lost yeah. any bad teams, but they did lose four in a row, I believe. I don't know much about St. Joe's this year. Um, just knowing their program history and knowing. Uh, Knowing how that they're trending against us the last couple years, I think we lose St. Joe's. Um, that said, it wouldn't shock me if we beat St. Joe's, but okay. I'm going to mark that as a loss. Um, Ryder, I'm going to mark that as a. We're at Ryder. I'm going to say we lose to Ryder. I think we beat Quinnipiac. You guys are saying lose to Quinnipiac. They're two and five. Um, <laughs> which, I mean, that doesn't mean anything. Niagara sucked yeah, before we played them. But I think we beat Quinnipiac. And I don't know anything about Keene, but... They're not even D1. Uh, that, so. What's that? They're not D1. Yeah, but that hasn't meant anything for us the last couple of years. Um, I think we beat Keene. So two and two. Losses, St. Joe's, two Ryder. Two. Am I the only guy that's predicting a win against St. Joe's? At this point, yeah. I, you are. And you I, know best. I, I so want to predict a win against St. Joe's. I just, I don't well, Why don't you it, do which, it? Uh, fine. I'm no, 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 no. You already made your prediction. You already made it. <laughs> why did you do it? No, yeah. you can't. He, he, he taunted you into it and then shut you down. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Dragon's Guest. You can follow us if you're interested on Twitter. Our handle is underscore dragonscast and feel free to message us with any topics or questions. Zip it up and zip it out.